since all of you are in church on December the 26th, I'm going to make an assumption about you. Some of you have been in church a lot for three days, but perhaps all of you are seeking a fresh interpretation of Christmas that is not what was said yesterday or the day before, so I'll try. And the second is, I was talking with the sacristan, Emily Smith, um, earlier about to see if she had any advice on the sermon, and Emily usually has advice, and she's usually witty, and she said, keep it short. (laughs) So we'll try for both. You can let me know at coffee hour how I and how we did. And we're going to get a unique interpretation in the New Testament on what Christmas means um, by way of St. Paul. But first, Carl Jung. Carl Jung was one of the great 20th century psychologists. Many of his his theories are, are, are less relevant today psychologically than they were in his time. But some of them still have great relevance and, and, and power um, in intellectual thought today. One of his theories that I find fascinating was his theory of synchronicity. And he worked this out with a great physician in the first half of the 20th century. And here's how he defines synchronicity. Synchronicity is a meaningful coincidence of two or more events where something other than the probability of chance is involved. Where something other than the probability of chance is involved. I think this is fascinating because it's a a great reminder. It's a very religious view actually, shared by almost all of our spiritual ancestors for centuries. That time is not linear, time is not chronological, time has ups and downs, time has these moments where God, um, who's ever-present, comes closer to us. It might be that we're just more aware. God had always been speaking softly and tenderly in our ears. But there are these times that are just pregnant with meaning, where the divine feels closer. Or we are more aware that something is happening, something is changing. Time is not just flat and moving with the tick of a clock. Something has happened. We need to keep awake and pay more attention than we did the day before. I think that pairs really, really well with this really fascinating expression from St. Paul where he says that Jesus, God's Son, was sent in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time. This is an unusual construction in Paul. It's not unusual to use the word time. It's not unusual to use the word fullness, but to pair them together is is striking. It's not a common phrase in Paul's day and age. Time is chronology. Time is the Greek god chronos. Fullness is really interesting. Um, Fullness is is, um, could be used in Paul's day and age of a ship that's full of cargo and so full you can't put anything else on it. A basket can be so full of fruit that there's no more room for any more fruit. It might break. Wineskins can get too full. They might break. So don't put too much wine in there. And so for Paul, that's when Jesus is sent. That's when God comes near in Christ. Time was full, time was pregnant, time the stars had aligned. 
And it was time to reveal something not brand new, but in a very new way. God speaking softly and tenderly and coming in the form of a child who is so close to us that we cradle that child. In the fullness of time. And then Paul says, and this is equally startling, and this is really his, his Christmas sermon. It's short. Emily Smith, the sacristan, will like it. In the fullness of time, God sent his son born of a human mother. That's it. No angels. Joseph is nowhere to be found. No virgin birth at this point. It is quite stark and simple. Born of a human being in the fullness of time coming to us. Born of a human mother. And then God sends the Spirit into your hearts. And that same Spirit that was in Jesus cries in our own hearts, Abba, Father. This is fascinating. Paul's Christmas sermon really sounds more like a Pentecost sermon. And this makes sense if you know Paul, because Paul, for Paul, he's fascinated by the Spirit. And where Jesus is, the Spirit is, and vice versa, they're always paired. And for Paul, the Spirit is the same Spirit that hovered over the waters of creation in the beginning. It's the Spirit of peace, it's the Spirit of justice that rests upon the prophets, it's the Spirit of self-control, it's the Spirit of wisdom, it's the Spirit of love, it's the Spirit of humility. All of this is wrapped up in this crescendo in Jesus. And that Spirit rests upon us. But here's one really fascinating point about that Spirit. There's a, a, a New Testament scholar that teaches at Swanee, which is where Katie went to college. And this New Testament scholar is a, is a Pauling scholar, and his name is Paul, Paul Holloway. I think that's interesting. And Paul Holloway says about the spirit here in this passage that for Paul, the apostle, this spirit is not something that comes upon you so that you have a vision, like a one-time vision, like it happens in the book of Revelation. The Spirit is coming to dwell in you and be at home with you all the days of your life. All the days of your lives. Not just at the high points, also at the low points. Through the peaks and valleys. The Spirit does some dramatic things, but the Spirit is really ordinary, almost like a child that you would cradle in your arms and watch it grow. The Spirit is growing with you and keeping you company all the days of your life. So Paul's Christmas sermon, or his Pentecost sermon, which are really the same thing, is indeed quite short. In the fullness of time, Christ is born of a human being. So pay attention. There are these moments in all of our lives that are just ripe with meaning, ripe with mystery, ripe with love. So pay attention. And this spirit is in you. So breathe deep. Breathe deep. For the spirit of God is as close as your own breath.